Hello, and welcome to Discussing Disability, a podcast hosted by Arkansas Support Network. My name is Sayer Evans, and I'm the CEO of Arkansas Support Network. We are a statewide home and community-based disability service provider serving folks in the state of Arkansas who have intellectual and developmental disabilities and who have a desire to live in their homes and in their communities as active members. ASN operates really as an alternative to traditional disability services that are oftentimes isolated and segregated and occur in congregate settings. It's our mission and our focus and our priority to support people with disabilities to be not only active members of their communities, but also valued and contributing members of their communities. We say often we don't just try to show up and take care of people. Oftentimes our work looks like helping people engage in the risky and sometimes questionable decisions of life, because that's really what quality life looks like and what meaningful lives look like. This discussion, this ongoing conversation that we have here at Discussing Disability really is an opportunity for us as an organization to invite people to the table to talk about life, really, because what we do at ASN is we support people to live life. We support the entire age range. We support all across the state. We support folks who have vast, varied, and wide-ranging disabilities and also vast, varied, wide-ranging capabilities and skills and assets and contributions that they make to the world around them. And there's really not anything that we don't touch on. At any given moment, we have a direct support professional somewhere who's providing supports to a young person who maybe has significant medical needs. We've got folks that are learning about pediatric tube feedings and therapies and school law, education law. And then we have direct support professionals that are supporting folks who are navigating end of life as they age and as they get to a place of determining last wishes and the ways that we want to live final days and everything in between. There's nothing that our folks don't encounter. And it's a dynamic conversation. We get to have lots of different representatives from across the organization. We've had conversations with lots of folks we support. We've had conversations with board members, with employees, with direct support professionals, with managers, with partners of the organization. The conversations are always exciting. And today is a little bit of a unique conversation. I'm excited. All of those things are true in one person. <laughs> Today, I welcome Dr. Angie Bassett, who's with us, and you're going to get to learn a lot about her. But she, I often say, I'm really intrigued by the unique perspectives of the different seats that people sit in at ASN. What ASN is, what we mean to you, the challenges that we impose on your life, the value that we add to your life is different for every single person, depending on what seat you sit in. And Angie is someone who has sat and continues to sit in lots of seats. So before I dive into all those roles and all those different seats, Angie, would you introduce yourself? Tell us about yourself. Sure, I'm Dr. Angie Bassett and I'm currently the Special Education Coordinator for Pea Ridge Schools. 
but my biggest job is being a mom and advocate for my daughter, Casey, and my son, Jeffrey. Okay. We are super excited to have you here today. I want to start, one, I want to frame this conversation a little bit. One of the conversations that we've been having internally at ASN a lot lately, I think we've been having it for years, if not decades, but lately we find ourselves coming back to it over and over again. And I find myself saying, probably on a daily basis at least, ASN is a large organization. We serve a lot of people. We provide some type of direct service or support to probably anywhere between 450 or 500 people across the state of Arkansas through all of our different programs. And we employ close to 900 people. And the majority of the folks that we support have support systems that come with them that we have a support responsibility to and for and engage with. So there's lots of people, there's lots of numbers. As nonprofits go, we have a really large budget compared to kind of the typical nonprofit industry and a lot of work that's involved in maintaining all those things. But I say all the time, you really can't understand ASN you can't really get a good conceptualization of who Arkansas Support Network is, what we do, and most importantly, in my opinion, the value that we bring to the communities that we're in, unless you listen to our stories. You can look at numbers all day long. You can look at data points. You can look at the logistics of all of it. But until you really take the time to listen to the stories, until we do a good job, I think, of really telling the stories, you're missing some of the understanding really of who ASN is and what we do, how we do it. So the focus here, I think, really is about being able to share those stories from different perspectives. And typically we have multiple people sitting around the table that might represent a parent or an individual receiving services or a board member or an employee or a community partner that works in a professional role with the organization. And you hold pretty much all of those, right? You have all of those titles all wrapped up in one. So I want to start with the most important one. You're a mom. Yes. So as a mom, tell me how you first met ASN and got involved and engaged with the organization. Sure. So when Casey was probably, I don't know, six months to a year old, just trying to navigate. I'd never had been involved with anybody with a disability. We'd never had anyone with a disability in our family until Casey was born. And so going to the pediatrician and saying, you need all these therapies, you need to reach out to the community and try to find someone to help you. And I'm like, well, who is that? So I got blessed honestly. And Lynn Donald reached out to me and said, Hey, I'm a part of this organization, Arkansas Support Network. I can empathize with you with my own child. We would love to wrap around you and, and help you figure out how to navigate this new world. So that's initially how I came to be involved with the organization. Can you talk a little bit about what that feels like as a parent, what your experience was in getting that phone call. We engage with a lot of parents at that kind of point of interaction. And what we know to be true is that the typical service system, the structure of the support system, isn't that. <laughs> That's not always what you get out of the professional organizations around you. What was it like to have someone reach out to you and say, 
I love what you said. How can we wrap around you and help you to navigate this? It's life changing as a parent because trying to know I have to work and take care of our family and not have to worry about there's already a centralized location for all these things. So just the relief of knowing I can continue to work and continue to be Casey's mom without trying to be all of these other things was pivotal in our life and just having a person who would actually come to my house and not judge me for the mess that is all over our home and our animals and just saying, don't worry about that. Let me just try to help you and your family. So there are not enough words for that as a parent in any aspect, but the disability community in particular, because there's just so many facets out there for that. So I just said, well, now what do I do? Okay, I'm in contact with you. Great. Now what? Her just saying, there are all these places to get therapy. There are all these agencies out there willing to help you. And at the time I was a new, hadn't even begun my professional real life, just being in school and those sorts of things. So her just saying, you know, there's financial opportunities for you. And I'm like, what? That was not my expectation. I was just looking for what therapy do we need? Where do I need to go? And she said, you know, you have to, one of the best things she said to me, you have to be humble enough to accept help. And for me in the past, that was not a good thing. I'm there, the first person to help someone else. But to be able to accept help, that's huge. And just know, I would encourage any parent, it's hard to ask for help, but you need to for your family and for yourself. You need to be able to ask for help. That's very valuable advice. You all have navigated kind of the evolution of a relationship with ASN. One of the things that we talk a lot about is that really, truly, ASN is so large and we do do so many things that most people only understand ASN as whatever level of interaction they have. So if you're a family who receives services from our family support program or children and family services, those folks think that that's what ASN is, yes. that they're the education outreach advocates. If you are someone who receives direct services through the Medicaid waiver on the CLS side, the community living services side, then you think that that's what ASN is. If right. you're someone who receives vocational services and supports, and it's like, you know, if you take a bunch of people who can't see or, or their vision is obstructed and you put them in front of an elephant and you reach out and you touch the elephant, they describe that elephant as very, very different things. Yes. ASN yes. is an elephant. But you have this unique perspective. Your family has this unique perspective in that you have engaged with multiple parts, if not every part of the <laughs> elephant, <lot>. quite frankly. <laughs> so can you give just kind of a little overview about what that looks like, how ASN initially came into your life and the different types of departments and services that you've engaged with since being here? Sure. So I guess chronologically it would be easiest. That family support was our life for a long period of time. And so I would agree with you a thousand percent. That's all I thought ASN did. I had no idea that they even went beyond school, honestly. And so helping us navigate the school system was our next opportunity to engage with ASN. And me being in the school system itself, I thought, oh, I can navigate this by myself. I can do all the things. I have a special ed degree. I've got it. Well, when things don't always go as planned in school, you have to reach back out and say, I need your help again. So within the same agency, there's still these other facets within even that family support. 
plan. So just coming to meetings and advocating for KC from a different perspective and saying, yes, you know, I can see where mom could fill this, but we've also seen other opportunities happen in the school without me having to be the bad guy to the school where I may be employed, not have that different kind of relationship. So that was very, very helpful. And then in the meantime, Lynn asked me to come and listen to a board meeting and say, hey, I think you've had all these opportunities. Would you like to see what else is out there? And so your mind is blown when you see all of the different things. And we weren't to that point yet, but just seeing the trajectory of where Casey would be going, what down the road for her is out there. And then using that opportunity in the meantime in the schools to say, hey, there's all these things out there for you parents that they didn't know either. And now I'm aware. And so just spreading that seed of awareness was vital. And then having the opportunity to be on the board for, I don't know, that would age me a long time has given me such big person. And I still learn, you know, year after year, I still pick up another. I didn't realize that we did that. And asking lots of questions about, look at all of these things that are out there for various disabilities and where you are in your life. And the main thing being people with disabilities participating in the community. So now it's made me have a fire in the pit of my stomach for we need to look at children in school that they're already 18, even if they're five. What are we going to do when they're 18 and they graduate? What are we going to do out in the community for these kids? And, you know, it's hard for parents to wrap their mind around. That's 12 years from now. Well, it's tomorrow. I'm telling you as a parent, it's tomorrow. So just partnering with ASN to come into the schools and saying, okay, look, let's have transition services now, which, wow, is a whole new beast among itself. So how do we transition kids, give skills and life force skills to be able to participate and be active, not just taking anything, but being active and changing people's lives and those sorts of things. So family support, educational advocacy, mm -hmm. then where did you go? What's the next layer of relationship with ASN? Um, transition to adulthood. So when Casey graduated from high school, I mean, she'd had the plan from a long time ago, since kindergarten. I'm going to college, see you later, at five. No, I don't believe that that's our trajectory. And when she graduated, I was like, oh, She's right. I want to go to school. I do not want to live in Northwest Arkansas. You are here. See you later. And so just looking at the opportunities for post-secondary education for her and ASN saying there are so many things out there for Casey. So even giving up ownership, if you will, of Casey to another agency and saying, let us partner with you and find a place that has in a different part of the state that can provide services because at the time ASN was not all over the state. So having to cut the cord with ASN to a certain degree, very challenging. But in the same time, ASN still saying, we're here. She's gonna be coming home for breaks and all of those things. So still being able to provide supports for that. So after college, she came home and I was like, now what are we going to do? She's graduated, but where are we, where is she going to live? What is she going to do? I have to go to work. What am I going to do? So again, just coming back home to ASN and saying, now what am I going to do? 
And so getting her direct service providers set up for her and what is living going to look like and who's going to take her places because she's not going to sit at home. And then continuing that board partnership. So it's been a great long ride and I hope to live it forever in some capacity I will be connected with ASM forever. Well, we're glad about that. That's definitely a good thing for us. So let's talk about board row because you actually just like had a term end and didn't pick up another one immediately, which is probably the first time in decades. Yes. But yeah, so you just rolled off the, the ASM board of directors after a long and storied career serving in that role that we're super appreciative of. Tell me, tell people that are listening who maybe have never had experience serving on a board of directors, what does that even mean? What does that look like? And what's required? What are the challenges? What are the reasons why you would donate your time and sanity to some degree to do that type of work? I think donate's the greatest gift because you don't have that financial tie to it, which makes it more important because you're doing it because you want to. So you're finding people that that's their passion, that's their tie to give back to their community. And just seeing the evolution of the board over time, because when I first joined, of course, I'd only had limited experience. I only knew one certain part of ASN, but being with other people who had different terms, how long they'd been with the board and all those things. And at the time, having a different CEO and the evolution of how do you have a changeover in leadership, which is very scary for any board to have to go through. And with COVID and financial strain and all of those things, just seeing how I think the reason why they get on in the first place is the reason why it stayed together. The passion is always there for people in the community and for the people that are in the field doing the work. It's been an amazing opportunity and I think the main reason why I decided to not renew was because being in the school district I want to take it from a different angle and I can't do that if I'm on the board it's a confidentiality thing so I hope that every parent out there says I can do this everybody in the community can say I can you don't have to know anything about being a person with disability you don't have to know a person with a disability You just have to have a heart for people and say, I want to be a part of that. And the energy that comes from being on the board, especially those times that we actually be in the same room together, that's fire, passion. You get to see people that you have things in common with, but not necessarily. So seeing where people are in various stages of their life and what they have to give. It's an amazing opportunity. And I think everybody should be involved in a board. It's not about your education level, there's the whole gamut of education level, what your ability or disability is. They're all there in one place, in one passion. So it's exciting. And we're going to use that in our board recruitment strategy because that was a beautiful pitch. The point that you make, I think, is so valid to that conversation that often gets missed is that the nonprofit structure the criteria, in my opinion, that is most needed in board members for nonprofit organizations are people who are passionate about the mission of the organization, people that care about people, 
people that are, you know, really committed to making sure for us specifically, it's not even necessarily an issue around disability as much as it is an issue around people. Right. People who have a commitment and a devotion to making sure that people are treated fairly well, that they're supported well, that they are valued, that they're honored. That's really the primary characteristic. And all of the rest of this stuff you learn and you learn how to contribute what you bring to the table. Right. One of the most beneficial contributions that I think boards make to nonprofit organizations is they give this lens, this really varied, diverse lens so that, you know, leadership of an organization may be looking at a thing, a problem or an opportunity or just day-to-day maintaining kind of stuff. And we see it where we see it. We sit really close to it and we kind of see it for what it is all day, every day. And the support that the board provides is really being able sometimes to zoom out, sometimes see it from the underneath angle, sometimes see it from hovering over above, but to really be able to expand the perspective about the things that we're talking about, the work that we're doing, the approaches that we're taking, the initiatives, the innovations. And so, you know, you don't have to have professional level credentials. You don't have to have, you know, this stellar resume. What you have to have is your own unique perspective. And we all have that. Right. Right. We all have that. We can all bring that. So I think that's really, really a valuable statement to make. Let's talk about your career. Oh, boy. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's a journey as well. And one that really has paralleled your journey as a parent and board member relationship with ASN. The whole time you were doing all of those amazing things, being super mom and a very devoted, committed board member, you were also forging this path in your career and accomplishing some pretty major things. So tell us about your career trajectory. That's a load of questions here. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> so I think initially, just going back to college, my initial pursuits in college was not special education or disability related at all. I thought that I was going to be a linguistic person and I wanted to learn all these language and be a translator. That was my goal. And then Casey was born and I was like, wow, okay, that's really not going to work out. It's not going to be helpful to her and to help other people like myself. And so it was like my junior year of college, time to change. It's going to take me a hot minute to get through college. So trying to help Casey. And I said, well, what's the best way to help her? Well, let me go into special education. That's the best way and be on her schedule and be more flexible for her. So graduated with my bachelor's. I was like, Dude, this is really not enough. I mean, that's a surface level degree, just like a lot of bachelor's degrees. I went back to the master's degree and said, okay, I can do this. And by this time I started teaching and Casey started going to school. It's very different from a teacher perspective than being a parent of a child with a disability. And so I really need to know more. I've really got to go back. And so by this time I had two of them, <laughs> Jeffrey with autism, Casey with cerebral palsy. Wow. I really need to go back and do some more. So went back, did my ed specialist degree in administration. So I thought, 
I really need to be back to your lens comment. The lens looks very different from an administrator perspective. And then, well, you know, I had some really good administrators in the Springfield School District who said, keep going. You're almost there. May as well just keep going. So I went back to my doctorate and then I did my dissertation on nonverbal twins with autism using augmentative devices. And that's a whole world in itself. That's my passion right now is students with autism and teaching kids to communicate. I think it's the most powerful thing we can do for any human being, giving them voice and choice. And so I taught in Springdale 20 years and loved every minute, did pre-K to graduation. Loved it, loved it, great. And then I had the opportunity to go to Pea Ridge to be a leader. I thought, you know what, go to a smaller community and build up because Springdale had so much growth over a very short period of time and they just had no choice. Wham, here they all come, we have to learn. So now other parts of Northwest Arkansas had those growth challenges. And so being a part of that has been pretty amazing and saying kids can communicate. When they're hitting you, they are communicating with you. I am not happy. Screaming is communication. Everything is communication. And so we are growing leaps and bounds. And so it's an exciting opportunity to be there now and still have my partners in other parts of the state too to help me grow kids. So that's exciting. Very, very exciting. When you were talking about voice and choice and helping kids learn how to communicate, the first thought that came into my my head was that they do communicate some we need to learn how to listen sometimes. And, yes. And then yeah. you went on to say that. So <laughs> You know, that's absolutely something that we engage with in support conversations every single day. And it's a challenge because the world around us is really conditioned to this verbal communication bias. Right. And not layers of verbal communication bias. There are lots of folks that are very verbal that we don't listen to because they don't use the specific vocabulary that we value or recognize. Agree. But when we're talking about supporting and empowering people it's impossible for us to do that appropriately and in quality if we aren't listening to that person exactly as they are, right. exactly as they're communicating. It doesn't mean we can't have goals to develop more communication skills that are broader in the way that they're received, but to be able to support and empower people right now in this moment, we have to learn how to listen to them, however it is that they send and express that communication. Right. And having an administrator in a public school system who gets that, understands that, and is passionate about that, I think is life-changing for a lot of people because those tend to be systems that we see a lot of kids struggle because the expectations of conduct, behavior, and communication are really fixed. You're supposed to come in here and you're supposed to adapt to these expectations. And for some kids, that's just not going to happen. Right. And for a lot of adults, um, just sitting in different parent meetings and support groups and talking with adults, you know, whether it's an English language barrier is still a communication barrier and a lot of nonverbal communication that goes on because people can't see us right now. So they're having to envision you know, what our body language is and how we're communicating. So it's just as important for adults. And I think one of my biggest strengths as an administrator is that I can tell a parent, I have lived your dream and sometimes your nightmare, but it doesn't put me in their spot. But I can say, yes, I can understand. We can do this together. And more parents have changed the lives 
for other parents than I've done for anything. I'm just a medium to go through. So I appreciate honest conversations with parents about you don't understand what makes my child tick. You are correct. And if I can figure this out, you're going to help tens, hundreds, thousands of other people. And I think that that's the bridge that ASN has too. We don't have your exact situation, but we can pair you with someone. And then they just spread the seed across the state, nation, what have you. So it's good stuff. All right. I want to do a little bit of rapid fire questioning around those roles. Same, right. same question, <laughs> okay. but from a different frame, okay. di- different lens. As a parent, what is one of the most challenging things that you faced in being a parent of kids who have disabilities? That's interesting. It's different for the two kids that I have. For KC, you know, being in a motorized wheelchair is not easy to navigate places physically. Society in general has done a much better job of acceptance might not be the right word, but it's the one I came up with right now of seeing her in the mall and not staring. When she was little, people would stare at us and think that they were going to catch something from her. And now we go everywhere. No one even thinks anything about it. So society has changed so much, evolved over time. Jeffrey looks different. It's a behavioral thing when he's little and he looks neurotypical. And you would think, oh, there's nothing, quote unquote, wrong with him. But then he throws himself on the ground and is screaming. And people are like, if you would just give him what he wants, he would stop. Well, you know, you have to push through that. So things have changed there, too, as well, with disability awareness. Particularly autism has just exploded. So people think, oh, well, it might look like X. And so when my children go places with me, they tell me, that looks like, as adults, they tell me, this is what that is. And, you know, I think, you know, with ASN's help and just being in the community and showing that, just put yourself out there as a parent. Take your kid to all the places. Take them. And I mean, even Casey and I have our own arguments still at home. You know, she just went to Washington, D.C. to talk with people. And she says, I'm taking my power chair. I'm like, you're not taking the power chair. She says, I am. And I'm like, Casey, you have to, what if it breaks? And what if is very powerful. As a parent, you think, what if people stare at me? What if this doesn't work out? But, you know, your kid's telling you. We can do hard things. Let's just keep pushing through. So having to listen to your child more than you realize, even as an adult, is very powerful. That's a valuable thing. I like that, though. My summary of what you just said is that what if can be one of the most powerful barriers or challenges that parents face. And I think that's a beautiful frame that's productive for people to hear and really recognize and understand. Yeah, and, and kids The what if with kids is also a challenge, particularly students with autism or, you know, more neurodiverse learners. I hear that a lot. What if I can't get my locker open? What if I lose my agenda? What if this happens? You're right. But we have to get past that fear of what if. And I still struggle with it every day. You know, what if I say something wrong to a parent? What if I don't do everything perfect? But it's okay. It's better to try and put yourself out there than not. So yeah. Just be daring. I think it's also helpful to question the question. What if I can't get my locker open, but what if you can? Right. What happens when this works the right way? What happens when what we want to get out of this actually works? And I think that really helps for a lot of people that what if is so focused on worst case scenario that we lose the fact that that's only one possible scenario. 
and that it can be beautiful. Absolutely. And, you know, we hear a lot too in the schools and I heard this with Jeffrey as well. So what if I get my driver's license and I wreck my car? You will. Yeah. What if I get a ticket? You will. And you, from- <laughs> you join the largest club in the world. <laughs> right. So it can be, you know, getting back to what you said about it ends up being a beautiful thing because we can conquer hard things. And, you know, we all have to try. And if it doesn't work out, we'll navigate it a different way. But just putting it out there. But what if is super powerful? Love it. What's the biggest challenge that you've encountered in your role as an ASN board member? I think for me, not knowing everything that the agency can do and if I, the what if, I encounter a community member and I don't have the answer. What do I do? But I think being as a board member, just knowing that I can text you, I can text another board member and say, hey, someone just asked me a great question. I want to give them great information. I don't want to mislead anyone. How can I navigate that? So sometimes just not knowing everything that you could do to help a family is the hardest part. Yeah. I think that's a really important insight because I think probably without that even being understood, that's a barrier that keeps a lot of folks from engaging in board membership is this unrealistic expectation that if I am on the board of directors, I should know everything about the organization, everything that's happening. I should be able to Absolutely. Stand in front of the TV cameras and, you know, all that stuff. And that's not reality. And honestly, with the ASN, we are so large and we do so much. I'm not sure that there's anyone these days, probably myself included, that can answer all those questions right off the cuff. I certainly come closer than anybody else. But, you know, we really are at a place with just the size of the organization the, the size of the programs that we operate, the number of programs that we operate, you know, it is a legitimate response for anybody, <laughs> regardless of where you sit in the organization, to be able to say, you know, I'm not exactly sure, but I'm going to get back to you. I'm going to. Right. And be safe and knowing that that's OK in yeah. any role that you have. That's a great response. Absolutely. What's your biggest challenge as an educator? Mm. I think now as an administrator, the hardest part when I first started my job was not having hands on with kids. I miss it more than anything. It's the best part of my day when I get to go to the school and disrupt somebody's classroom by me saying, I'm going to hang out with the kids. And I remember that as a teacher, you know, somebody coming in and saying, I want to be with your kids. Well, we're right in the middle of three plus two and I really need to get through it. But, you know, everybody's so gracious about saying someone cares about our kids. I'm going to give them that opportunity to come in and be with kids. So I encourage everybody, be in the school, whatever it is, whatever involvement looks like, be in a school, it'll change your life. It's great. But biggest challenge right now is growth, honestly. We have students enrolled in the district that have very unique disability challenges and aren't necessarily on an IEP or a 504. They have medical challenges that need extreme nursing care. And, you know, when you're in a smaller environment, when you don't normally have those resources, how am I going to get the resources? And having students who are deafblind and we don't necessarily have a full-time vision or hearing teacher. So the growth explosion, why it's a great problem to have, because now we have this huge, diverse community in Pea Ridge, that's the hardest part is making sure I have the resources to take good care of our kids. Yeah. 
it might be the most relatable thing for me personally that I've heard in a long time for you to talk about. The biggest challenge as an administrator is not having access to the kids. I had lunch yesterday with one of our care and training providers who's provided therapeutic foster care, adult companion services for 30 years now to the organization. And we were talking about, for me, the struggle in the role that I sit in is that I, you know, spend way more days at the Capitol sometimes than I spend here. And I catch myself sometimes driving back. Like when I get home, I'm going to somebody's house or I'm like taking somebody to lunch or when's our next dance? Like, right. I have to wash off the administrative components of it sometimes and really connect back to why I do this work. So I definitely feel that. I also think that what you're experiencing in Pew Ridge with the growth of the community and the growth of the school are absolutely stuff that ASN knows firsthand as well. (laughs) We're still, as an organization, working to really address the growth of our operations, our administrations, our admin functions. Because for so many years, we just put our head down and we served people and we did it in a way and we did it well enough that, you know, the growth and the explosion was just substantial. And we just kept pushing ahead, you know. It's hard to be proactive. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. When you're on the freight train and it's moving, it moves. <laughs> it moves forward. Every it doesn't stop day. for you. Yeah. But yeah, you know, I think those are in any industry and particularly human services industries, right? If we were selling widgets, we were making candy bars, you get to that place where you can say, you know what, we have outgrown our current operation structure. We're going to put the plan on a hiatus for two weeks and we're going to really invest the resources in figuring out how we can do that realignment, how we can shift resources around, how we can undo and redo. Right. When you're providing day-to-day supports to people 365 days a year around the clock, you don't get that opportunity. Right. You have to keep the balls in the air while you figure out how you need to reconfigure. And that's kind of an ongoing opportunity. Tanil has got me in a place where I, I don't say problem. I say it's an area of opportunity. Yes. Yes. It's a growth opportunity. Absolutely. Okay. So let's flip that. What is the thing? And there are lots of things. I know your family well. I know you well. I certainly know your daughter well. There are lots of things. This could be like a, we could have spent the whole time talking about this list. Sure. But the first thing that comes to your mind that you're most proud of as a parent. Wow. My kids growing up to be their own person and not being a duplicate of me. And most children don't, but, you know, with an influence of a mother in my role, they could have turned out very differently. And the thing that I'm most proud of is that every day they teach me something that I can use to teach hundreds, thousands of other people. And they, like what you said about coming home after a long day, well, I come home from you know, a certain role. And then I come home to more people with disabilities, including my, maybe my dogs. Um, So, you know, they've taught me so much patience and love and understanding and getting me past the what if and that it's all going to be okay. I think that's the biggest thing. Okay. What about in your career? What's the thing that you're proudest of in your career? Wow. I would say... Our community at large, they are so welcoming and want to learn and 
teachers are having to learn on the fly. Sometimes you have a new student that walked in, in October. You didn't have an August that you didn't plan for. And having our administrators willing to step back and learn. And we just had a community opportunity where we had our nonverbal students went out to the police station and the fire station and the library just as a group by themselves. And they just said, sure, bring them. We don't know what to do, but you know what? We'll figure it out. They're kids. You know, we'll just treat them like kids. And so they embraced them and gave them trinkets and made sure that they had a good time and said, wow, we wouldn't have had this opportunity if they come in a larger group. Those kids tend to shy back and we don't get to interact with them. So I'm just super proud of that community for taking the bull by its horns and learning. So good thing to be proud of. And I plan for this to be my last question. I'm not guaranteeing that. <laughs> okay. What is the thing that you feel like is your biggest accomplishment or that you're most proud of from your board service at ASN? I would say the longevity of working and meeting and being alongside such a great group of people and them challenging me to be better too. I think I'm super proud of their work and their tenacity to push through when things got really, really hard. They were like, we're not giving up. This is our time to shine. And just feeding off of their energy, the pride there is amazing. Awesome. Well, I just want to say that you've heard this, you'll continue to hear this, but I want you to know that I don't know that there are words that are really adequate to express the gratitude that we have as an organization, gratitude that I have as the current CEO who has, you know, had a, a long and winding journey <laughs> to where we yes, are today. Yes. The role that you've played on the board has been so vital and valuable to us, largely because of the multiple perspectives that you have. You sit in a unique space and place to be able to understand ASN as a parent, understand ASN through the lens of someone directly receiving those services, understanding ASN as an employee, understanding ASN as a, a professional partner, and being able to bring that insight along with a commitment to say, you know, I want to ask the hard questions. I want to do the hard things in order to be able to benefit the organization in the greatest frame. And one of the things that you do that I think all good, strong parent advocates do is that you come to the table with your perspectives and your knowledge and your influence, and you ask those questions from the perspective that you see, but you always prioritize making sure that the discussions and the conversations aren't just about me right. or my child or my services, but really considering that, and this is a very diverse organization and every single person that receives services from us receives this individualized service and support. And that's essential for us to be a good agency, for us to be a good organization, a good nonprofit, a good service provider, just good it requires that level of accountability in the decisions that we make always. And you and I've worked together for a very long time in that capacity, and you've never missed the opportunity to bring that level of wide consideration about the decisions that we're making, who they impact, how people who aren't here being represented are going to be affected by those things. And we wouldn't be who we are today without that commitment that you've made to this organization. So I'm extremely grateful for it. You'll continue to get more of us. 
But I am also excited about that next step, that next evolution that you talk about being able to partner with Dr. Angie Bassett, the administrator, (laughs) and really exploring how we can continue to drive things like transition services and supports for folks who don't use verbal communication. And I think there are huge opportunities there that are going to be fun to work through. Me too. I'm very excited. And I hope that stepping back and taking a different lens and saying, okay, if I were on the board, how would I have navigated this? And now as an administrator, how can I navigate? And my ultimate hope is to be able to come back to the board later if they'll have me back just with having a different lens. And I think bringing that back to the board is important too, because it just gives us one more perspective to getting back to those individuals. And like you said, they're all so different, which is amazing. Just looking at the people that people can't see right here in the podcast, varied people in the room. And it it's an incredible thing. We weren't meant to be all the same. And it's a beautiful thing. And what we can do as a society to bring everybody together. So I'm eternally grateful to the board and ASN for a multitude of reasons, but hopefully get back and be able to bring something back. Before I wrap up, I just want to note that it is a special kind of commitment to spend years and years, more years than either one of us know, dedicated to the service of an organization as a board member to roll off and immediately start talking about the future in which you come back to that responsibility. (laughs) Like that's, that is dedication and commitment to the next level. And I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for all the work that you've done in that role, every other role that you've held. And I'm grateful for you sitting down and having this conversation with me today. It's been great. Thank you for having me. It's an exciting opportunity. And if anyone out there needs anything from me at all, please reach out. I'd be more than happy to help. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you all for listening to Discussing Disability, a podcast hosted by Arkansas Support Network. I'm Sarah Evans, and we will talk to you next time.